Now turn with me tonight to the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. Third book of the Bible. And we're going to read some verses in chapter 16. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 16. <coughs> and we'll just read from verse 1. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses Speak unto Aaron thy brother that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself. If you could come with me from verse 11 now down to verse 20. Come to verse 20 of the same chapter. And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send them away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let the goat into the wilderness. 
And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar and he shall let go the goat for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterward come into the camp and the bullock for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall one carry forth without the camp and they shall burn in the fire their skins and their flesh and their dung and he that burneth them shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterward he shall come into the camp and this shall be a statute unto you forever that in the seventh month and the tenth day of the month ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you for in that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins shall be before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. Amen. We'll end the reading there. We trust and pray that God will bless to us this reading, at least in part, of Leviticus 16. Now my text this evening is taken from Leviticus chapter 16, verses 20 through to verse 22. And my subject this evening is pondering the drama of the Day of Atonement. You see, Leviticus 16 describes in detail the great Day of Atonement. I believe that this day was the climax of all the other religious days in the Jewish calendar. This day was an annual day. It was the Day of Atonement. It took place every year in the tenth day of the seventh month. Well, in addition to all the daily sacrifices of the children of Israel and other sacrifices besides, for various reasons, this annual sacrifice covered every sin, even sin that was not covered by the offering of the daily sacrifice by the people. Every sin, of course, needed the cleansing, covering power of the blood of sacrifice. And here's the Lord graciously meeting the need of the people by instituting one day, one day each year, called the Day of Atonement. And during that day, he established a whole set of ceremonial and ritual sacrifice. Now look with me at chapter 16, verse 21. Verse 20, And when he made an end of reconciling the holy place, the tabernacle of the congregation, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions and all their sins 
putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Notice the words, all iniquities of the children of Israel, all transgressions, all their sins. This goat, we'll call it the scapegoat, that's what the Bible calls it, is going to bear all the sins of the covenant people of God. Nothing's left undone. Here's the clearest view of Christ and the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ, John says, cleanseth us from all sin. And for us, Calvary is really the truest day of atonement. For in Calvary, not one sin was left unatoned for. Isn't that the comfort of every penitent sinner? Everyone who's been truly made sorry for sin? Here's the actions of Aaron. And his actions are a clear view of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that was given him to do. Aaron would write into the holy place, right into the holy of holies. He went in with blood. He sprinkled the blood in the heavenly mercy seat. He, he prayed. And in that he was like Christ who entered into the holy place, not made with hands, but, but, but into the, the, the very heavenly court of God, not without blood. And in that role, he was simply fulfilling uh, what Aaron, as high priest, did on the day of atonement. The Lord Jesus died. The Lord Jesus rose again. And he entered heaven as great high priest. And he offers there upon the merits of the sacrifice of his shed blood. Redemption and atonement for his people. He, he prays for us. The people are saved in the ground of the blood. And their people are satisfied with the blessedness of being reconciled to God. Now what Aaron did in the day of atonement, much of it was done out of the sight of the majority of the people. And yet the very climax of what he did was at the end. Because we read here that Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting, upon, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. I want you to think of these two goats. One of them was sacrificed. The other was left alive. And sin, the sin of the people, was confessed over him, putting it to the account of the goat. And then the goat was led away by a fit man into the wilderness. One sacrificed. One goat made to take the blame of sin. And in those details, there's a wonderful picture of Christ fulfilling a work on behalf of of his people. And just this Easter Sunday evening, I, I was thinking in my mind about the Day of Atonement, linking it into Easter Day in a sense. And that's why I conned the, the title, The Drama of the Day of Atonement. Notice a few things about this day very quickly. The fact of the Day of Atonement. 
You see, God gave details to Moses to give to Aaron about this day. This was a real day. This was a day that was long planned. Think of the day of the death of Jesus Christ that was long planned. It was planned from all eternity. Isn't Jesus Christ called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world? Calvary was not an afterthought. It was in the heart and mind of God in eternity past. So, so we could talk about a long planned day. It was also a long prophesied day. To turn over there to, to Peter. Remember what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and in the verse 11, speaking about the Old Testament prophets. Peter writing there in verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, prophesied of the grace that come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, and the glory that should follow. See, Peter has in mind that the great burden of the Old Testament prophets was to see and to hear with their ears and understand with their mind things that had to do with the death and the resurrection of Christ, the sufferings on the one hand and the glory that should follow. Remember in Daniel chapter 9, it talks about those 70 weeks and Messiah being cut off, not for his own sins, but for the sins of the people. It was, again, Peter that said in Acts 10 and verse 43, to him gave all the Old Testament prophets witness. We only have to think of Luke 24, which we didn't read this morning, the two on the road to Emmaus. Remember they were sad. And they're sad because of death. And of course death of our loved ones. And even the thought of that makes us sad in our heart. And you can picture these two disciples with their backs to Jerusalem. Their face to Emmaus. And they're walking along the road. A stranger comes and meets with them. And they begin to enter into to conversation. And they tell Christ why they're sad. And then he said to them in verse 25, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Notice this language. And beginning at Moses, that's the first five books taken in Leviticus. And all the prophets, major prophets, minor prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and what was their testimony at a later time and he said unto them these are the words which i speak unto you while i was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of moses and in the prophets and in the psalms concerning me then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures you see this was a long prophesied day Oh, that we could understand that. Notice something else here. This was a long pointed day. Over there in Hebrews chapter 10 and 12, we read, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. You see, this day was unrepeatable. 
This day was once and for all. This day was a day whenever it happened was forever. See, Calvary can't be repeated. Now, I want you to think of the minute of Easter. I want you to think of what's going on in the religious world today. You see, I'm convinced that many Christians, sadly, are caught up with things that they ought to have left behind or not do. I think of those who are of a different persuasion, whether they be Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Roman Catholic, and they're caught up with things to do with Easter and supposedly the worship of Christ, which contradict this once and for all sacrifice for sin. You think of having darkened services on Good Friday. You think of the, the march of mass confessors in Spain. You think of mock crucifixions, images of mere men acting Christ on the cross with, with blood or jam or, or whatever it is they use. Uh, and there you have this mock blood and uh, they're supposed to be suffering what our Savior suffered. You think of those that gather in a crowd and have a procession and carry the cross from one point to another. And when you challenge them, they simply tell us, well, we're seeking to feel what Jesus felt. We're seeking to do what Jesus did. We're seeking to follow in his footsteps. And all to say tonight, that's impossible. That's nonsense. In fact, we could go further and say it's blasphemous because we're not meant to feel what Jesus felt. We're not meant to do what Jesus did. His work was unique. His work was once and for all. Listen to the words. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And we're not meant to feel what he felt or do what he did. We're called to believe. The challenge is, believe us thou this. We're called to, to receive Christ, but as many as received him to them, give me power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. You see, this day, the day of atonement, Calvary's the truest day of atonement. This was a truly glorious day. And annually it happened in the history of the children of Israel. And every day of atonement pointed forward to Christ. When he would come as the Lamb of God to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And he would do it once and for all. And that's the real message of Leviticus 16. The fact of this day. This was a day that was planned by God. This was a day that was prophesied by the prophets. This was a day that pointed forward to Calvary. And once it happened, it could never, ever be repeated. Oh, we could get that message into the hearts and minds of those that call on the name of the Lord. Notice also here in the text, you've got the features of the Day of Atonement. You see, this was a day for the nation of Israel. It wasn't just a day for the individual. They had their day, the daily sacrifice. This was an annual sacrifice. And there was millions there gathered around the tabernacle. There was a sea of people. The rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated. In the air there was a smell of burning flesh. 
In the air there was the smell of freshly shed blood. I want you to think of the people now. Because there was a commonality amongst them. They had a common plight. Do you know they were all sinners? Look again at Leviticus 16 verse 21. And Aaron shall lay his hand upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins. Notice the three words. Iniquities, transgressions, and sins. There was a common possession when they stood before God. They were all equally sinners. They were all equally condemned. And they were there gathered before God because of sin. And they all needed a blood sacrifice to be offered in their behalf. And there was none of them there that we read of that pretended to be wiser than God. There are those today that uh, have their own view of sin, totally and distinct to God's view of sin. There's those today who really are in the bond of iniquity before a holy God, a God who punishes sin, a God of wrath, and they're not aware of their need or conscious of their situation or even feel that plight in their soul. But this was a common plight. Every man, woman, and young person that was there was all there as sinners. And that's one of the features of the day. There's many other features that we're leaving out, but I just want you to think of the commonality that was there amongst the masses of the people. There was a common penitence. I want you to think of Aaron's hand on the head of the goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. You see, I want you to think of Aaron confessing sin. Here he is. There's an acknowledgement of sin. That There's a true repentance for sin. There's a true sorriness for sin. No excuses are being made. They weren't protesting and saying, but wait a minute, we're not all that bad. We're certainly not as bad as Moses makes us out to be. We're not as bad as others, Aaron. It's true that they probably weren't all morally equally sinful. They were not all guilty of theft. Probably not all guilty of adultery or lies, or unbelief, are not all guilty of not loving God. We don't read any of them protesting and saying, Lord, but I'm not a sinner, or I'm not a big bad sinner. There was no hiding of sin. Sin was confessed openly and publicly. Aaron the high priest was doing it on their behalf. I want you to remember this was a religious people. These people were involved in daily sacrifice, the worship of God, the offering of prayer, the the living of a life, being part of what they called a covenant community. But even that couldn't deal with the stain of sin. They were reminded of guilt. They were reminded of their sinnership and the need to be truly sorry for their sin, for their sin was confessed upon the head of the goat. And these people knew that all their religiosity and all their ritual couldn't remove or deal with the stain and guilt of sin. And oh, that we could learn that in Christendom. You know, it's not a few drops of water in baptism that removes the stain of sin. It's not even a tankful of water that removes the stain of sin. 
See, these people have no power to redeem their soul. And they had to come to God and say with the psalmist, into thy hands I commit my spirit, for thou hast redeemed me. Oh, Lord God of truth. There was a common penitence. Do you see your own plight? Do you feel the need for penitence to go to God and say to God, into thy hands I commit my spirit, for thou hast redeemed me. Oh, Lord God of truth. Notice also here, there was a common priest. Their only hope lay in Aaron. And in the work that Aaron was doing that day on their behalf. You see, they stood as Aaron went to the altar. Now, I want you to see that. As Aaron slew the sacrifice. As he carried the blood into the holy place. As he offered prayer. As he made atonement. As he came out. As he laid his hands on the goats. See, they had no hope in themselves. Their hope and trust was in Aaron as high priest to do a work that was going to be acceptable by God. All their eyes were on Aaron. Now, one man stood for all the people. One man represented all the covenant people. Their success or failure depended on Aaron. An offering for his own sin. An offering for the sins of the people. The offering of prayer. Does not bring us to Christ. Christ standing before God for all his people. Remember he says all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no ways cast out. The eternal destiny of every sinner rests squarely on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Christ that died for our sins in the tree. It was Christ who was wounded for our transgressions. It was Christ who rose again on account of or because of our justification. Now, now think of Aaron for a minute. Here he is garbed in the garments of glorious high priest. And then he comes to do this work of atonement. And whenever he comes into the holy place, he takes off the garments of glory and he garbs himself in the garments of deep humiliation. He puts on simple robes, the robes of a servant. And Aaron makes atonement for his own sins and the sins of the people. Aaron makes a confession of sin. Aaron offers prayer. Aaron goes back into the holy place. He put off the simple robes and then he put on the robes of glory, his dress again as high priest. And you see, in that, although I'm not getting into all the detail, read it for yourself in the chapter, Aaron's a picture of Christ as our great, glorious high priest. Think of Christ now for a moment, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father, robed in the splendor of glory, in the bosom of the Father. Think of his incarnation. Think of his virgin birth. Think of Christ laying aside the robes of splendid glory and taking on himself the robes of our humanity. Think of Christ appearing as the form of a servant. Think of Christ humbling himself and being found in fashion as a man. A real man, a man of flesh and blood. Think of Christ being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Voluntary going there. Not being forced. 
He says, I've part to lay down my life, I've part to take it again. Think of Christ dying violently and all the agonies of the cross and what it meant. Think of Christ dying vicariously on behalf of others. He had no sin of his own. He didn't have to die. He willingly chose to die. He gave up his life unto death. Gave his life for his own sheep. He died victoriously because as we learned this morning, death couldn't hold him. He rose again the third day on the tree. Think of Christ on the tree bearing the wrath of God. Think of Christ in the grave. Think of Christ raised up from the grave to glory. Think of Christ as the Lamb of God in the midst of the throne. You see, it's all here. The features of that day. There was a common plight for the people. There was a common penitence. But there was a common priest for the people. That priest was Aaron. And all eyes were in him. And what he was doing. Notice also here. The fulfillment of the day of atonement. Think of these two goats. One goat was the sacrificial goat. And the other goat was a scapegoat. Now in the book of Leviticus, and in chapter 16 again, you'll read loads of times about offerings, sin offerings, burnt offerings, peace offerings, meal offerings, and so on and so forth. Some offerings were offered daily on the Day of Atonement. Some offerings were offered annually. Now think of that. Have you ever asked yourself, why vast numbers of animal sacrifices were needed in the Old Testament. Could I try and answer that? Here's the simple answer. Because the work of Christ as Redeemer making atonement for the sins of the people was so infinite. So huge, so vast, so multifaceted, so many-sided that it needed these vast, numerous amounts of animal sacrifices simply to set forth the work that he had come to do. Millions of sacrifices over a 4,000-year period. And every one of the sacrifices was just a shadow and a type of Christ. And it rose the hope in the hearts and minds of the people of a coming redeemer. Of one who would come to suffer. And after a period of suffering. Would enter into his glory. And bring the blessing of God. Upon the people. The sacrificial goat. It just reminds us. Of all the rest of the animal sacrifices. It points to Christ. The first goat was slain. We'll call it the slain goat. And remember what Aaron did with the blood. He carried the blood into the holiest of holies. And he put that blood on the heavenly mercy seat. And atonement was made on the heavenly mercy seat for the sins of the people. The Lord's wrath was appeased. The Lord's law was satisfied. I'm thinking of the words of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. We read of Christ. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. But by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
You see, the slain goat is a picture of Christ. But I want you to think also, not only of the slain goat, but I want you to think of the, the scapegoat. Because we read here, And shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. And he shall let go the goat into the wilderness. Does it not speak of separation? Does it not speak of sins being carried away into a place of that's uninhabited? Link that up tonight as we finish with the psalmist. Remember in Psalm 32, and he spoke of the blessedness of sins forgiven. In Psalm 32, he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. The word blessed means, oh, the happiness. Or happy, happy is he whose transgression is forgiven. Notice the same words transgression. Notice the same word sin. Notice the same word iniquity as is found in Leviticus. The word forgiven here means carried away. Just like the rubbish from your front door or from your bin is carried away by the um, refuse disposable officers of Castlereagh Borough Council or whatever council borough you live under. And think of it being carried away. Never to return. It's not coming back. You'll not come out some morning and it's lying there in your driveway and you'll be scratching your head and saying, wonder where that ever come from. Once it's gone, it's gone. And this is the import of the word forgiven. Blessed is the man whose transgression is carried away. And the, the goat, the scapegoat, was meant to, to portray the picture that there was a separation between you and your sin. It was carried away forever. Notice the word whose sin is covered. And what's our sin covered with? When you think it's covered, it's out of sight. You can't see it. And our sin's covered with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Billy McRae sings, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. And your sins and iniquities, I remember no more. God has no more remembrance of them. Why? Because they're covered over by the blood. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guide. Not only is it carried away and covered over, but it's cancelled out. As we said this morning, the old account is settled long ago. And Christ represents both goats. He's not only the slain goat whose blood was put in the heavenly mercy seat, but he is the scapegoat for it's through him that our sins are taken away, put into the sea of forgetfulness. Remember the psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And here's the fulfillment of that day. There was a slain goat for the people. Atonement was made. God's wrath was appeased. God was satisfied. The people could go home happy. But if any thought, well, what about our sins? Then they could remember, oh, there was a goat called the scapegoat. And our sins were transferred, at least its guilt, to that goat. And that goat's been taken away into the wilderness to the uninhabitable place. They're not coming back. 
That's the fulfillment of that day. That's the very climax, the end of the day for the people. And oh, that we can see that. Here's the drama of the day of atonement. Thank God there's a day when Jesus Christ died in Mount Calvary. Thank day that day was planned from all eternity. Thank God that that day was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. The message of the Old Testament summarizing it up. Sufferings of Christ. The glory that was to follow. Oh, that we had eyes to see that. Oh, the Spirit of God would help us to understand that. That day pointed to a once and for all sacrifice. Oh, that we could see the features of this annual day of atonement. A common plight by the people. We're all sinners. A common penitence that's required. Truly sorry for sin. Are you truly sorry for your sin that caused death of Christ on Good Friday? Remember, that's why he died. Wounded for me. Wounded for me. There in the cross, he was wounded for me. Gone my transgressions. Why? Because Christ bore them in his own body in the tree. Are we sorry for our sin that caused the death of Christ? A common priest. Do we look to him as our priest tonight? And think of him as the slain goat and the scapegoat who carried away our sins. May the Lord bless these few words to our hearts. I wish that other time, I wish we had other occasions to open up this 16th chapter, but we'll just look to the Lord as the Lord leads. May he bless these few stumbling words to our hearts.